Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. All right, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and I've got another interview with actually my coach. This is uh, Kim Butler, and she is my coach at Strategic Coach. Uh, how this how this kind of works out with um, when you're a member of, of Strategic Coach, like I have for for six years, is you have your main coach that when you go to your quarterly meetings, uh, they lead the group, and that's the person that you're learning a lot of the concepts from and and collaborating with and and that's for me that's Kim uh, she's the the second coach that I've had I used to go to Chicago when I first started back in 2013 and had a great coach there and then I've been going to Atlanta I started that transition for for a couple of reasons was proximity it's a really quick flight from West Palm Beach to Atlanta to the point where you don't even really get uh, drink service because it's up and down when you, you basically get up to the altitude and you get right back down and it's been it was really easy and then two was I don't have to deal with the severe winters in January in Chicago but once I switched over to Atlanta uh, Kim was my coach and just really have enjoyed that and her and I have collaborated on other things she was a guest on the virtual summit that we had on marketing and business in 2018 uh, she's done some virtual summits on her own since then and we've had a really good uh, collaborative relationship from there and so I was really excited to have her on the podcast and we discussed two things in this episode we really we start out and we talk about her career and so one of the interesting things that she mentions is when when you are a coach for strategic coaches you actually have to have a successful business that you've built and run, right? Because if you're going to be teaching a lot of other entrepreneurs how to be effective entrepreneurs, you need to do it yourself. And so she's done that in the financial world, but done it in a different way, right? That's what we're going to discuss. It's uh, We're going to kind of, you know, get away from traditional financial planning that you've all heard of and know of. And she does it a different way. And she works with a lot of very successful people and she has a very successful business she's uh, she she lives in Texas and so that's her her main thing but then does a lot with strategic coach as a coach it's very involved and uh, I don't want to say grueling but it, they put you through a lot to become a strategic coach and then when you do it you know you're putting up a lot of time and travel to to do that and she so she does both well which is why she can is because she's implemented strategic coach principles to have a self-managing business that allows her to also coach. And so we uh, we dive into the coaching side of things and what she's seen with entrepreneurs, but we also we start out with talking about out of the box thinking as far as investing in finances. Uh, and she gives you a really good ebook that you can download. It'll be in the show notes. We cover that. But it was exciting for me to have her on the show because she has been my coach for the last four years. I learned a lot from her. She's a wealth of knowledge and just someone that's extremely well-rounded in all phases. And I like learning from people like that because that's part of my goal is to have all life's freedoms and be well-rounded. So I enjoyed this episode. I hope you do as well. You're going to get two two aspects out of this, some financial advice and resources to start learning more about that. And then we're going to talk about some entrepreneurship and what she's learned from coaching entrepreneurs for the last uh, 13 years or so. All right. Without further ado, here's my interview with Kim Butler. 
Hey, welcome to the show, Kim. I really appreciate your time. It's always nice to get to chat with you. Usually four times a year, uh, I do get to see you in person and, and learn from you because you are, uh, as you know, and, and some of my audience knows because I've mentioned before, you're my my lead coach in Atlanta when I go to Strategic Coach. So welcome to the show, and we'll dive a little bit into that for sure. But tell us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. Well, thanks, Kevin. Always a joy to get to share with you too, because you're doing such a fun job with your business and your second business, and we love serial entrepreneuring, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's a that's a Kim's coined word, entrepreneuring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how to spell the the word in general. <laughs> oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> it, so, in answer to your question, that's a funny one, actually, because. I'm an English major, and oh. I don't admit that very often because my spelling is horrible. <laughs> yes, uh, I agree with that for me too. Oh, gosh. So, uh, yes, I, I've been in the professional world almost 30 years, which is kind of a fun time frame. And I was an English major and thankfully never did anything with that, which is a, a nod to all the young kids out there, right? Like it doesn't matter what your major is. You know, maybe it matters that you have a degree. Maybe it doesn't anymore these days. And I just love that we're in that space in the world. But I went through time at a bank. So holy cow, at a bank, you do car loans and mortgages and you get to see so many people's finances, it's amazing. And you learn so much, obviously what to do, but you also learn a lot of what not to do. Mm -hmm. And about five years into that, I didn't like following all the rules that are necessary to follow in a bank. And uh, it was clear that I needed to get out and be more of an entrepreneur and jumped into the what I now call typical financial planning world, mm -hmm. got my certified financial planner designation, did all the normal things that people do. I got my series six and seven and 63 and all the licenses and helped people, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds in this thing called financial planning. And then about five years into that, I realized that I didn't like it. Mm. And That's a tough realization. No kidding. All this, and, and this isn't, like schooling expense that my parents paid for. This is my own hard earned dollars and time. And when you're in your late twenties and you are facing your profession and your career and how you make money and it's disgusting you, that's pretty frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And it, um, how long did it take for you to realize it? Was it five years or was it kind of like you just let it go for a bit and then you finally had enough? It, it was five years into the time, but I think it was probably four years when I started to realize it. And then I had to deal with it for yeah. a year in my gut and my heart, even though my mind and my persona was out there still doing what I was doing every single day. Mm -hmm. And and you just live this life of um, uh, not being true to yourself, which is a yucky feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And then what, what did you do at that point once you were able to really come to terms with that? And what was the next move? I figured out that I needed to learn from people that were handling their finances, what they were doing, rather than to learn from the sources of the licenses and the designations and the financial institutions that had the products. Mm. So I went back to all my good clients at the bank and all of the wealthier clients that I had in my typical financial planning practice, and I asked. 
And, you know, this was before the internet. So you couldn't yeah. just like jump on the internet and do research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just asked and I put together in my mind the maybe three or four basic things that they were doing. It, I mean, it wasn't rocket science, but what it also wasn't was financial planning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and just for your listeners, you know, a quick definition of financial planning is to try to figure out what you want in the future and work backwards to get it. And in a lot of ways that kind of works, you know, look at your industry it, with your health, you, you you can kind of figure out what you're trying to seek and then you can work backwards. You can say, okay, I need to do this weightlifting program or this dietary program or this whatever it is program. But with financial planning, while you can do it numerically, uh-huh. mathematically, if you will, you cannot really do it because the numbers and the math around financial planning, while they might be mathematically correct, have absolutely nothing to do with people's lives and their money. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and I, I've you know I've never worked with a financial planner directly. What are some of the reasons for that? I guess would be the best question I could ask for that. The reasons for why the disconnect? Yes, exactly. Because in the '60s and the '70s, so mm-hmm. financial planning has not been around that long. Okay, a bunch of people got in a room. And they thought about the idea of financial planning because computers were just coming into the scene at that time. Ah, makes sense. And yeah, and, and it's a cool idea. I mean, yes, I would love to be able to do what financial planning promises to do. Uh-huh. And I'll admit for probably 10% of the public, it, it works. That you know, There's a certain amount of net worth and whatnot where, yeah, you can make a bunch of assumptions, throw them into a computer and it'll spit it out and it'll, it'll be close enough to accurate. Uh-huh. But for 90% of our American public, it is an exercise in futility. It is a bunch of false sense of peace of mind. And even though the idea sounds cool, like, oh, here's this little roadmap. You just need to follow it. There's too many assumptions. Mm -hmm. And so consequently, as I've said, it can be mathematically correct, but you just change one little assumption and the whole thing is out the window. And I'm assuming like you change one little assumption. Sometimes it, it seems little at the time, but the long-term effect of it could be pretty substantial in what the amount equals to, right? Very well said. Yeah. And, and I was literally doing that. I would sit down, put somebody's financial picture into these computers. And so it, this is like the late 90s. So now we barely have the internet and the these computers that run these programs called financial plans are super cool. And you didn't have like Motley Fool or, you know, Betterman or whatever that you could just pop on the web and do your own. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would literally like type in somebody's information and then I would start changing the assumptions okay. so that the plan worked. And what were some of those assumptions that you, that you changed? Tax rates, inflation rates, investment rates, time frames. Like, ah, this person can't retire at 65. We'll just bump it out to 70. No big deal. Ah, <laughs> you know, they, they don't need a 3% inflation. They can have a 2.5. That, that'll work. And what you said is really astute. And that's, it doesn't have that big of an impact in the short run, but it has a massive impact in the long run. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. It's just a little bit of a, of a move in one way can change. You know, I, I look at myself. One of the big things that I did was I purchased my office space, my real estate. And, um, 
you know, from a long-term perspective for my practice, it's great. I think from down the road, it's going to be good. I'm in a good area and all those things, but there are variables that could change and I can't predict it for sure. You know, even like technology, maybe medicine becomes so much telemedicine that there's not a high demand for medical office space like there is right now. 20 years from now when I go to sell this. And so it drops <laughs> the worth of it. And I, I have this kind of picture in my head of what it's going to be worth in, you know, 2040, but maybe that's a, a reality that's $400,000 off. Right. Right. And that's big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought about that. So I'm kind of applying that in my head with what you're saying. You could apply that same thing to almost every aspect of your, of your financial circumstances. Correct. So, and okay, so what are, what's uh, some alternatives to that and, and how Absolutely. you're helping out? Yeah, yeah that, I was dying for that question. Like, <laughs> okay, so what do, what do we do instead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's ridiculously simple. Okay. The first thing, absolutely, every person, every walk of life, every level of financial capacity, it's boring as all get out, but you absolutely positively have to figure out a way to save 10 to 30% of your income. And so if you can't save 10, save five. You know, if you can't save five, save one. If you can save 20, awesome. Try to go for 25. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question on that real quick? Is that of your, say, your monthly net take-home or gross take-home? Well, that's a big, big question. It's a big difference, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. It is for sure. I'm going to say gross because Mm -hmm. if I say net, it's literally impossible for a lot of people. Now, not everybody. My son is two years into his job out of college Mm -hmm. and he literally maintained his same lifestyle from college. I mean, the kid spends absolutely no money. He had no money in college. Now he has your normal startup job. He's saving 40% of his gross income. Yeah. And and so do the math. 40%, you know, you figure in about 20% to taxes. I mean, he's living on nothing. Now, He does have a job where a lot of his lifestyle is literally paid for because he travels a ton and every Ah. time he, you know, his food and everything's all handled. So uh, that helps, but we're going to use the gross number just because Mm -hmm. it's such a stretch otherwise. That being said, if somebody has a business, then that's a lot harder number to get their arms around because, well, is it gross for the business? Is it gross for me personally? And you've got, you know, a lot more complexity there. For sure. So if it gets complicated, then just notch it down a tad and and do 10 to 15% of net income, but just focus primarily on the personal income. Mm -hmm. Although, heck, a really good cash flowing business, the business should be saving 10 to 20% of its income for the business too, right? Businesses need savings accounts just like people do. Yeah. And that's an interesting, you know, dichotomy for a lot of business owners, especially small business owners, obviously, where, uh, you know, you could, uh, spend a lot more money in your business or in your personal life. It's all really tied in together. You need to save for one. You need you could save for the other. You could leave some money in the business and figure it out at the end of the year. There's a lot of <laughs> moving parts, but uh, it, it is uh, part of our responsibility financially to have our business and personal 
uh, savings accounts healthy. <laughs> Absolutely. Cash, 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 cash. And especially right now, you know, we're recording this the beginning of 2020. There is so much opportunity in the next couple of years. We're probably going to have some type of real estate correction, possibly a stock market correction. Even if we don't have a correction, there's going to be new businesses, technology, just amazing things happening. And people in a position of cash control the deal. Absolutely. That's what happened after 08, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people did really well after that. I mean, after they kind of recovered. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Perfect. What's, uh, what's the next step? Well, then you want to start to look at where you store that cash. So in the early stages, just throw it in a savings account at a bank. I mean, who cares? Don't even spend the extra time to try to find a better interest rate. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. If you go into the online banks, yeah, you might be able to get a little better. Awesome. Have at it. You know, it's, it's just usually a hassle factor because it comes with a whole bunch of strings attached and it's just not worth the extra effort. So what I tell people is just get your emergency fund established. Now, what's that? Well, it depends on you. If you're a business owner, your emergency fund should easily be six to 12 months of your expenses, not your income, your expenses. If you're a salaried employee, it can be three to six months. That's fine. Get that over and done with. Then keep saving. And now you want to start to build up what I call an opportunity fund. And now it's going to become more important that the place that you store your liquidity, where you keep your cash, is doing a better job for you. So you want to add into your picture a product that stores cash better than the banks and the savings accounts and the money markets at the brokerage houses, which typically is an ancient product. It's known as whole life insurance. Boring is all good out <laughs> and yet a very efficient place to store cash. Perfect. And then um, what would you do with some of those opportunity funds? Like, what are some ideas? Ah, I love alternative investing. So just okay. like you don't want to be like everybody with cash in the bank, you want to use principles, strategies, products that have worked for centuries. That's why Whole Life Works as your alternative for cash. Well, you want alternative for investments too. And investments basically break down into two simple categories. You either need the money to grow, think like IRA money, long-term money, money that you're not, you know, maybe you've got an inheritance, you're going to set it aside, money needs to grow. Mm -hmm. Or money needs to create income, either because you need passive income, want passive income, or you just want to practice creating income that's outside of your business or your other method of generating income. Mm -hmm. And so my favorites are life settlements for growth. I like oil for growth. And then for income, I like bridge loans and mineral rights. Hmm, interesting. What is, could you, those last two, could you break those down for me? Sure. So a bridge loan is generally described as anytime you lend money to somebody and they pay you an interest for the use of that money and it's collateralized. Okay. So clearly you could get on Prosper or Lending Club and do a peer-to-peer -peer loan and that's technically a bridge loan, but it's not collateralized. Okay. I like to see things collateralized because of course that increases the certainty that you'll get your principal back. A rather important point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so a typical bridge loan in my world is secured by real estate or mineral rights, whereby that collateral is something physical that we can either paper, i.e., you know, mineral rights, where you go to the Texas Railroad Commission and you can identify your lease number, or real estate, where you go to the county courthouse and you have a 
a parcel number or a lot number or an address for a building or whatever it is. Gotcha. And uh, I didn't mean to imply land. It is more mm-hmm. commonly a building mm-hmm. because, again, you want that income and you want the collateral to be available to be sold if necessary. And we all know raw land doesn't always sell when it's supposed to. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So perfect. Okay. I got that clear. Two great things are happening right now for Parker Seminars Las Vegas. You can still get early bird pricing, but it ends soon. And you could be entered for a chance to win a VIP package that includes three hotel nights stay during the seminar at the Paris Hotel. You'll also receive a VIP badge that gets you access to reserved seating in the main hall, front-of-the-line access for photo and autograph opportunities, and exclusive access to the Parker Alumni Lounge. Go to parkerseminars.com and choose the Las Vegas button to register now. That's parkerseminars.com. What are some next steps that we would take? Learn. So, so many people do not know about these alternative investments. To a lot of America, when you use the word investments, they just immediately go to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go on record as saying the stock market isn't what it used to be. It, it used to be a very viable place that was super cool that helped us build businesses and was transparent and legitimate and could actually grow money. And it's just not anymore. The computers have taken it over. I think, you know, Warren Buffett, Donald Trump, they both say, don't be in the stock market unless you can control the deal and you cannot control the deal. And I don't think your listeners are Warren and uh, Donald. So No, no, they're <laughs> close. We're, we're getting it. No, awesome. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's interesting because in my profession, I do think we look outside of the box a little bit more than, than others, which is, which is good. I know that there's uh, alternatives in such inv- investing in like the building that I've got, things like right. that. Maybe that's, I guess alternative, but a little bit traditional. But I think they would resonate with stuff like this to where it's a a very diversified way of investing with a lot lower risk. Absolutely. And I will admit to you that I love the chiropractor's thinking because they are so often alternative. And we all know that if you look out at America and you do what America is typically doing, it doesn't matter whether we're talking health, money, the way you handle your body, your dollars. If you do what America is doing, you're going to get results that America gets. And most of us don't like that view. Yeah, it's not going well. And obviously, the the gap between the high income and, and not is growing. And so there's there, there's reasons for that. Uh, and yeah, the reality of it is, is, is the audience that is listening to this, they're not in that, most of them are not in that multi-million dollar net worth category. Uh, it's just not a reality for most. So um, this is the type of stuff they need uh, to be here. And also, you've been kind enough to to provide them uh, with a free ebook that really outlines a lot of this, correct? Yes, absolutely. So I've got an ebook. It's not on Amazon. It is called Financial Planning Has Failed. And I detail a lot of the information at a high level. Still, I'm not getting into specific products, but mm-hmm. the capability for alternatives for cash growth and income, all those types of products are all spelled out as well as a little bit of my story that we got to hear earlier today in terms of why I don't do financial planning anymore and what to do instead. 
And so that is available to your listeners. And I think you've got a link for it in the show notes. Yeah, it's going to be in the show notes. And that is partners for the number four. So partners for prosperity.com slash ebook. And that, that will be in the, the show notes to do that. I'll be downloading it and reading it as well. And I know it's just got a lot of great stuff about you know funding for colleges and investing in income or growth, saving money, real estate, all kinds of great information that's going to help uh, get them a kind of a path to prosperity, right? Absolutely. And I think there's an audio version on that same link. Yep, there is. Um, super. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, we get a lot of requests for audio. So oh, uh, yeah. we're getting that in our inside of our Chiropractic Success Academy is to get audios in there, which we're going to be doing. We've got all videos and documents and stuff. So you're welcome to throw the ebook in there if that's valuable yeah, to you. Actually, I will. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Perfect. Is there any other, I want to, part of my goal with this uh, to kind of chat with the audience for a second here was to have you on and discuss this information. I know uh, I had you on our virtual summit in 2018 and we discussed a lot of the mistakes entrepreneurs are making financially and people love that. Uh, And then the second part of of this interview, I wanted to just kind of talk about some of the high level coaching you do for for entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and we'll do that. But before we segue to that, is there anything you wanted to kind of wrap up with the, the financial aspect of stuff and start getting chiropractors to think outside the box a little bit before we, we do go into some of the coaching? Well, I think we've really hit it and I mm-hmm. just want to really re-identify that yes, it's boring and yes, it's simple. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be rocket science. People get frustrated, I think, in the financial world because there is just too many people using words that we don't understand and things that we can't get our arms around and it it does not need to be complex. And I think one last thing I'll throw out there is that so often we try to get the tax tail to wag our financial dog (laughs) because we're so hungry for tax benefits and they frankly don't exist with two exceptions. And one is the real estate that you've already talked about. Consider owning your own building or owning other real estate. There's just a ton of tax advantages around real estate. And then the second area is the oil, which we didn't really get into much, but the ability to invest in direct oil participation programs where you get some massive tax benefits, tax deductions for doing so is hugely valuable. And so if people are curious about that, they can grab that ebook and then they're welcome to reach out to me on email and I can point them in the right direction. Good. So the, so the oil uh, topic is in the book as well? It is. Yes. All right, perfect. So I, I mentioned you're my coach, strategic coach. I want you to just kind of give us a little background on how that happened. So obviously you had gotten into the, uh, you, you switched uh, careers as far as how you were uh, performing in the financial world. And then at some point, and I actually haven't heard this story yet, you got into coaching and strategic coach. How did that work out? Well, I started attending strategic coach 25 years ago. Okay. And uh, as you know, we go every quarter and I have only missed one session due to having a child. I f- figured that was a legit one, right? Well, you, actually, I just, yeah, b- before we started recording, I was telling you, I'm not going to be at my next one because of that. <laughs> yep, that's that's legit. Uh, female or male, it's yeah. still having a child, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yes, I have attended, uh, my first three years were with Adrian Duffy, and then I switched to Dan Sullivan, and I have attended the Strategic Coach Program ever since, and literally would not ever consider not renewing. It's just such a critical part of my life, my business, my the way I run my family, my health, my thinking, 
everything is impacted by either Dan himself or, as you know, the fabulous ideas that I get from other entrepreneurs in the room. Yeah, that's one of the best things that I get out of it. It was just like, man, there's a lot of bright people in this room that are doing great things. And the ideas you get from everybody just uh, kind of collaborating is amazing. Yes. And I've just been forever grateful about it. In fact, I was in my own session just two days ago up in Chicago. And so in answer to your question, what happened, I think I'd been attending around 12 or 13 years because I I think I've been coaching around that long. And I had another coach that's a good friend, Gina Pellegrini, Mm -hmm. say to me, hey, you should interview with strategic coach to coach. Like you'd be really good at this. And I I wasn't even thinking about it. So I had kind of a like, sure, why not attitude. And that actually probably let my interview go really well, right? Because I wasn't mm-hmm. anxious or concerned about it. Yeah. And uh, they had me up to Toronto. And it, what's interesting is Dan and Babs, the owner of the company, they don't even approve the coaches. That's all done by a team of theirs. Oh. And, and they put you through your paces big time because you need to be able to deal with a room of 30 entrepreneurs and keep your cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. And I've been doing it ever since. And and I wouldn't ever not do it. I just think the world of them, their organization, as you're well aware, it's such a class act. It's so fun to do the coaching. It, it's something that makes me even better at implementing the material because if I'm going to stand in the front of the room and ask you guys to do it, I'm clearly going to have been doing it myself. Mm-hmm. And so I love that aspect of it. Dan and Babs are, well, and the coach resource team are very good at helping us do that job easily, while at the same time, they make it very clear that that's not our primary role. Every single coach at Strategic Coach has a full-time business and is actively engaged. In fact, one of the coaches that I think the one that's been there the longest, the associate coaches is in his mid seventies. He might even be a little older. I mean, Dan's in his mid seventies and Dan told him, you cannot retire. If you retire, you cannot coach. Uh, Yeah. I, I, is that, uh, I've, I went and I saw, I was up in Toronto, Russell Schmidt. Yes. That's who I'm speaking of. And I'm not sure if that was, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was, but I I was so impressed by him because he's got a lot of energy, kind of like Dan, you know? Yeah. And I just thoroughly enjoyed uh, that meeting with him. That was probably five or six years ago. But yeah, he's still at it, it seems like. Oh my gosh, yes. All of the coach, I mean, you think your own group is awesome? Just multiply that times 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When when all of the coaches get together in a room, which we Uh do once a year in March in Toronto, it, it is off the charts. It is an amazing group of people. So I, you know, I wanted to ask, you kind of mentioned it. So you've been coaching, you've been obviously in strategic coach for 25 years, you've been doing the coaching for 12 or so years and it's helped you with the material, but has you, have you noticed such a big difference in your, in your actual business that you run and own as far as once you started coaching people in it? That's a good question. I'm guessing the answer is yes. I, mm-hmm. I haven't really thought about the difference in the, for example, pre-coach business to yeah. post-coach business. But as you know, when you're growing and mm-hmm. you're growing as a person and you're growing as an entrepreneur, I mean, that that business is going to change and change and change and change and change. Mm-hmm. And it's fun because it has, in a lot of ways, what's also really cool about it is that our basic products, the basic strategies that we use that we help people implement 
have not changed at all. And that's pretty rare Mm -hmm. in a lot of circumstances. So I'm really grateful for that. While at the same time, I would go nuts if they, if everything stayed the same. And so I, I'm confident that coaching has probably just picked up the pace a little bit of my ability to be able to accept new technology as an example, or implement a strategy or play with something or, you know, try something out that maybe I wouldn't have had the confidence to, to do otherwise. Or even on that, on that same note, I know you've, uh, you've instructed us sometimes and talked about some of the work that Peter Diamandis does out, out in California at the Abundance 360 and how that technology has just uh, changed so much. And you, and I think, do you attend that or do you, you attend the online? Yes. Yep. Uh, I do both. kind of depends on my travel schedule for the year. So um, Peter is somebody that I would really recommend your listeners follow. And they can do some following of Dan Sullivan as well. Dan has mm-hmm. podcasts, books, et cetera. Peter Diamandis, uh, for easier spelling, D-I-A-M-A-N-D-I-S, is a technological guru. But what I like about him is that his tech is within the next two to three to four years. So mm-hmm. a lot of times you listen to these tech gurus and they're so far out there, you're just like, yeah, whatever, cool. <laughs> but Peter really gives some things that are implementable today. Sometimes not, but a lot of his ideas are fabulous. And again, he has books, he has podcasts out there. In fact, he and Dan have a podcast together that enable you to just listen and learn and be open-minded. And what I love about it is that it gives me confidence mm-hmm. because it's it's a scary time in our lives. We can look at the technology changes that are coming down the road in the next few years and be completely freaked out about them, or we can go into them with a, okay, this is what's going to change. What am I going to do about it? How can I take advantage of this? How can it enable me to help more people or to do something less expensively or faster or whatever the technology is? And so, Having Peter's perspective on things enables me to have confidence that the technology that's coming down the road will do good in the world instead of the more scarcity-minded aspects of technology that we hear about so often in the press. So have you found that, because you obviously provide a lot of leadership and guidance for people like me and all the all the other uh, coach clients that you do uh, coach throughout the year, has that transferred over to the guidance and leadership that you're able to provide with your the clients you work with um, in your in your main business? Absolutely. I think any business owner mm-hmm. is a leader all the time. You're leading your teams, you're leading your communities, you're leading your clients, you're a thought leader. Uh, ideally, you are also an author and a creator like you have learned to become in addition to your main practice mm-hmm. because that enables you to take that thought leadership and install it more thoroughly amongst your community. So without a doubt, I'm, I'm able to share strategies and ideas and thought leadership and steps to take, et cetera, with my financial clients just in a different way for sure, but just as much as I am with you guys that I'm coaching. That's perfect. And so you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, obviously, and you've been doing it for quite a while. What's one of the things that you notice a lot about entrepreneurs uh, that they they tend to maybe struggle with or some of the issues that they, they have and that you can... Uh, having these types of group coaching sessions or having a coach, how does it help them uh, work through that? I think the 
biggest issue that entrepreneurs are struggling with right now is the ability to raise their hand and say, I need help. Because to be an entrepreneur, you have to do it on your own. And there's a certain part of the business, it might be a day long, it might be a year or two years long, where you've got to do it on your own. But then the only way you're going to grow and get better is to be willing to admit that you need help. And to be a successful entrepreneur, you you pretty much have to have some ego. You got to have some guts. You got to have the ability to just get in there and roll up your sleeves and muscle through it mentally, physically, sometimes even. Mm-hmm. And yet again, there's that uh, stopping point. You, yeah. If you continue to try to do it on your own, you're not going to get anywhere. And so raising your hand is critical. That's how I joined strategic coach was I, I had opened my own practice and it was going really well actually for the first three years. And it was when I found strategic coach, it, it was going very well, but I started to realize like I'm, I'm in uncharted territory here and I needed, I needed that help and guidance. And that's why I joined. And it, it just exactly what happened for me. I think that was 2013 when I joined strategic coach uh, is it's just given me that surrounding of people to, hear me out or, or give me confidence or accountability even. Right. So right. Uh, it's, it's definitely without a doubt. I, now I've got, I'm still obviously still go to strategic coach and I've got a one-on-one uh, person I work with for my business uh, side of things. And then I've got someone I work with. I actually, JR who does my podcast, who's obvious. I met actually in, right. in our group. He coaches me up on, on some marketing stuff. So I've, I've got a lot of people around me and that's what, um, you know, strategic coaches has def- definitely started for me. That's cool. Yeah. And um, have you noticed that entrepreneurs are starting to raise their hand more or you feel like there's still a lot of ones out there going it alone? That's a good question. In my space, it does feel like people are becoming more humble and more willing to say, I need help in this area. And so that's a really good thing. I I think that it's very acceptable in today's world to get training, to jump online and do a course, to sign up and go to a live event and that kind of thing. So yeah, I think that's improving, which is fabulous. And the one thing I can say just within our group, uh, and I think you do a really good job of facilitating that, is a lot of people get open in our group and and they're not afraid of sharing things that are scaring them, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and I think being honest and, and being able to share the things that are scaring them. And some of these, uh, I think it was the last one, it was great. It was, or maybe it was two, that, two uh, meetings ago where we talked about, sometimes it's just, you're just talking in different, zeros like everybody's got financial stress or stresses you right. just, sometimes it's just different levels of zeros at the end of the number <laughs> <laughs> yep my saying is cash flow problems don't go away they just get bigger zeros on them <laughs> exactly and when you said that everybody was just like aha you know like i'm not the only one <laughs> so that's great great information you know i i really again i want to thank you for for being on here i i look at you as such a a resource and someone I can look up to, not only uh, when we're uh, in our meetings and I'm learning from you, but also when we get a chance to have some dialogue here or when I uh, consume a lot of your your financial information, you're just putting out so much good content. And, and again, that, that website to get that ebook is uh, partners for number four, partnersforprosperity.com slash ebook. Is there anything you'd like to say to our chiropractors listening before we sign off? 
Yes, I applaud their work. As I said earlier, I love the alternative approach to our physical health that you guys take on. And I'm grateful for them as a group and just really think it's super valuable to look at life through an alternative lens. And I certainly look at people's finances through an alternative lens and chiropractors look at health through an alternative lens. And I think that's really valuable. Perfect. Thank you so much. And again, I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in today. Please be sure to check our redesigned website at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Stay up to date with our blog where content is regularly added by Kevin and guest contributors. You can also access our library of podcast episodes there. Go to www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com and subscribe to the podcast today. This is the podcastfactory.com.